Hey everyone, this is the Good, the Bad, in the podcast where we take a good movie, a bad movie, and an ugly movie of a certain genre every week, and we uh, we review it. My name is Micah. And I'm Charles. And hey, I'm Kelly. And this week we pass the mic over to Kelly for the genre. Okay, so this week I picked film noir. So... They have encouraged me to give you a little bit of a, a background on what film noir is. Yeah, and Kelly, what's a film noir? <laughs> well, this is a film noir according film. to me. This is how I perceive, um, you know, the different characteristics to be. So film noir is actually, it's more of a style of Hollywood crime drama more than um, an official genre. So it's it's a term that we, we give retrospectively, I guess, um, to movies that took place in the like the early 1940s through the late 1950s. Um, so by that logic, you can. There are no longer any more film noir movies. Uh, I mean, I, there there are neo noir, right? Like yeah. I heard, like Memento is considered a neo noir. Okay. I think. Yes. Got it. And then, like Chinatown would be an example of a film noir from the seventies. So so okay. so for this podcast, we're really just discussing like the early uh, kind of hard boiled gumshoe film noirs, like the black and whites, the got it, okay, quote unquote, classic ones. So okay. So here's some of the different elements that um, that involve the, you know what I would consider to be the style of film noir. Like I'll, I'll talk about the common plot points in just a second, but some of the stylistic elements are like the slatted blinds, the smoke, and the slanting light, and the long shadows, and the dame. Yes, the dame, the screwy dame. She's usually a femme fatale, up to no good, who you know gets her just desserts in the end, but. Um, there's, you know, like clipped terse dialogue, um, <laughs> the slow pan that they always do from the feet up to the top of the body. They right. always do that. Got it. Um, well, you mentioned the, the light, like the light's mm-hmm. actually really, really important in these. I mean, yeah, it is. they were the first kind of movies to do like, uh, like the, the key lighting, like that, the low key lighting mm-hmm. where it's one main light starts off to the side and there's, they use shadows very effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, Typically before that, if I'm not mistaken, it tended to be more flat lighting, right? Mm-hmm. More mm-hmm. like stage kind of setup. So these were, yeah. they very definitely like, if nothing else, the cinematography has kind of evolved and a lot of movies use that style, horror films especially, yeah. right? So it definitely set the tone for, for a bunch of movies to come. Kind of seedy evil things because everything yeah. can come out of the shadows, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of another, you're talking about plot points rather than stylistic elements. Film noirs are typically, you know, they showcase the dark and the seedy underbelly right. of what's happening and, you know, in, in human existence. And um, there's kind of this overwhelming atmosphere of just evil and, you know, anxiety mm-hmm. and suspicion and everybody, you know, typically you get an antihero more than a classic hero. And right. So that, it, right. I mean, that's just kind of. So what are your, uh, what are your picks this week? So this week, my picks are Niagara starring Marilyn Monroe um, Kiss Me Deadly, starring Ralph Meeker, and Double Indemnity, starring Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. All right. Mm-hmm. Is it weird every time you say Ralph Meeker, I think of the Karate Kid? <laughs> Ralph Ralph Machio. Machio. Yeah, that, I think of that every time. Like, even when I watch the movie, I was like, oh, I think of Beaker from The Muppet Show. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Micah. Yeah. on all those points, I guess. <laughs> okay, so I guess let's kick things off. With the good movie, okay, and right. Charles and Micah do not know which one I have elected to be. I the have good a pretty movie. good guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have the, a really I mean, good we, guess. We, that we, we watched them, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm gonna cry if it's not. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So big shocker, my good selection is Double Indemnity. Yes. Okay. Okay. So. You want to go ahead and give a synopsis of that movie? <sighs> oh sure. There are so many things. Um, 
So I guess the Reader's Digest version would be that this insurance salesman, Walter Neff, he crosses paths with the screwy dame of the movie, a.k.a. Phyllis Dietrichson, a.k.a. Barbara Stanwyck. And she kind of pulls him in with her with her sireny voice and her seductive ways. And so she convinces him that they need to uh, pull off this murder plot, you know, where they, they off her husband and then make it look like an accident so that they can collect on the uh, accident insurance policy, which she has hoodwinked him into setting up for And that's where the her. title comes from, right? It's Double indemnity, yeah, it is. Now, Kelly, I want you to explain all that again the same way that Frank McMurray would uh, explain it. In his... <laughs> Maybe what we did is we. Yeah. But it, what was? Yeah. The... I'm, I'm even forgetting. Honestly, what is the? Why do they call it that? What what insurance term was that? Where it's um, if it's a certain way that they died. Yeah, it's, it doubles. Yes, so it's it's called the double indemnity clause. So in a certain. In certain types, it's kind. Of, Fred McMurray describes it as kind of a come on to the buyer. So it's it's saying if you get involved in any one of these specific very rare accidents, then the insurance company will pay double. So in this case, uh, they have it involves a train. So if you have an accident on a train, then they will pay you a hundred thousand dollars instead of the regular fifty thousand, which is some serious smackaroos well, back I remember, in the day. I when he drives up to that huge home and he's like, this is a $30,000 yes. home. I'm like, man. <laughs> and that's if you I'm can never pay decade. it off. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, yeah, exactly. So that, that cracks me up. I mean, there are some outdated references in the movie for sure. Yes. But I think the reason it's so good is that it's still very intense. Like, oh, when yeah. you watch it now, oh, it's yeah. like, man, like, Right? I mean, they, they build it up so well. Even mm-hmm. small things, like the um, the car not starting after the murder. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, do they just, they do so well. And I, mean, the, I mean, that's a, I mean, was it the body in the back? I mean, all these things, like, they're pretty morbid things they're dealing mm-hmm. with. I mean, how shocking. What year was this movie, by the way? I don't even, is it 30s or 40s? It's 40s. 41, 41 or 42. Yeah. I mean, how shocking would this movie have been back then? Oh, yeah. I, know. I mean, yeah, so I, I don't know, like, and I, uh, Again, it's all these different things, and you know, I think we mentioned murder was a common thing for film noir, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like this is the quintessential film noir, right? Oh, yeah. One of them, at least. I, absolutely, at least, at least for me. I mean, I know there's lots of different schools of thought on you know what's the best and what's the most quintessential, but for me, this is definitely the top. Well, it had the lighting, it had the narration, mm-hmm. it had the. I mean, the whole time, you know, the reason I said the uh, Fred McMurray thing is because a Frank McMurray thing was because. He uh, the way he talks is so sharp the whole time. Oh, yeah. You know, he doesn't just Definitely. doesn't just say you know. And then I killed her. It's like, and then she went to buy a rabbit. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's Straight just the way he says stuff. Yeah, like, no, it's good and uh, different character than I'm used to seeing him in. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a it's a really good role. Uh, it's a Billy Wilder film, right? Yes, he was a director. Which. Mm-hmm. That he obviously he's one of the best directors ever, right? But yeah, <laughs> he is so versatile. I mean, some like it hot. All these movies, I'm like, how is this director doing this movie? Oh, I know mm-hmm. he did. He did the apartment too, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is which is like yeah. such a stark wow. contrast. And kind of in that same vein, um, Barbara Stanwyck, like she she just you just might as well know. I have a complete lady crush on her, and she's like one of my favorite actresses of all time. Really, I'll pro- she'll probably come up again in this podcast if I have anything to say about it. But oh, well, you do so, so yeah, and I do so lucky you. you. So so Barbara Stanwyck, when when she was cast as the the lead, you know, the femme fatale of this movie, she was really hesitant about whether she wanted to accept the role or not because she was she had at this point she was already really really successful. She was like the top 
you know, in the top three actresses of the time, according to Bill Bo- or uh, box office numbers and whatnot. So, but her, and she has she's an, has a huge range of of roles that she's played, you know, before and after this movie, and none of them had included diabolical pure evil Murder schemes. yes mm, and yeah. so she was concerned that it would wreak havoc with her image because here she's been like the screwball heroine and the really? good girl and you know all this stuff so allegedly who knows if this actually happened but billy wilder is supposed to have said to her well are you a mouse or are you an actress i've heard and, that yeah i didn't and, know that was about her though oh. okay yeah so it, he convinced her and the rest as they say is history cool awesome. what, is, what is the show that uh, i'm blinking out that fred mcmurray went on to my three sons. My three is that sons. what it is? Okay, yeah. Yeah. that's what I'm picturing him from, and I, I'm like, I guess I, I, I've seen Double Indemnity a long time ago, but this mm-hmm. was, I almost watched it as if it was a fresh movie. I mean, this was kind of a new thing to me, and all I kept thinking was, man, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? So that's, it's crazy how dark he is in this movie. Oh, yeah. While we're talking about the actors, let me just say something about Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> Holy crap, that guy is incredible <laughs> in this movie. I mean, like his he performance, was. his performance is just stellar it's yeah. amazing absolutely that, that's what gives some of the intense and, and it makes it kind of a tragic story too. exactly it's like his, his character his love for the guy is blinding him about it yeah. that's 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 so well written so well performed blown away when um he he's talking to i guess it's their manager uh, about uh he says oh well this is obviously a suicide and then edward g robinson's character who is uh keys mm-hmm. uh he's the uh claims investigator uh-huh. is that right? Yeah, he just starts going off on this tirade about suicide. Uh-huh. And he starts talking about, you know, well, you've got different degrees of suicide. You've got mm-hmm. suicide by pills. And then how many percentage of that is female? And it's just, I don't know, for 1944, actually, I did check the date. For 1944, that was pretty edgy uh, monologue there. Yeah, I, totally. And and he, you know, you really see he has this this kind of hard-nosed head for facts and that comes across huge hugely in the movie and that's what makes his character but at the same time he's got this huge heart and, and early in the movie Fred McMurray talks mm-hmm. about how he's got he, he sees through his scruffy exterior into you know his heart that's the size of a house and that comes through too right. mm-hmm. which is somewhat unusual for Edward G. Robinson well, I feel and, and like again it's a it's a pretty deep character if I feel like yeah. time frame um, well we have a, just a couple minutes left on this particular genre um, uh, what what would you say if you had to pick a good one for film noir, Micah? What would your choice have been? Um, I would say, well, this one, and honestly, this is the first time I ever saw this one. Okay. And uh, but th- there is, um, you know, I haven't really watched much, but I would say Touch of Evil. <laughs> I've never seen Touch of Evil, <laughs> but one word just kind of gives it away. And what am I gonna say? Well, for Touch of Evil? Yeah. Orson Welles? Orson Welles. Yeah, I mean, if, if Orson Welles... I was going to say, is that one word? It's, it's yeah. two words. <laughs> All right, well, it's two words. It's <laughs> your question. So, anyway, that, that's what... I okay, mean. so, I guess I would have one word as well. It would be Orson Welles. But it would be for The Third Man. I think The Third mm. Man is the best film noir mm. ever. Um, I'm trying to think when that was made. 40, I think. Um, that is just a crazy movie. I mean, as far as... Because they filmed in like a... You know, it was during World War Two. I think, is when it was... I'm mean, thinking of the time period it was at. But they were filming in actual cities in Europe that had been affected by World War. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... It's amazing, anyway. And it has wow. one of the best reveals ever. It's so well-written. feels like a modern film. Okay. But, all right. It is time to move on to the next one. So, um, mm-hmm. so Kelly, uh, what is... Do you want to do bad or ugly next? Uh... Well, 
I get we'll we'll go to the bad and we can finish strong on the ugly. Okay, so okay. go ahead and tell us about your bad film. First of all, what do we have? What are the two choices here? Okay, so the two choices are Kiss Me Deadly and Niagara. Okay, so which one is your bad role? Because these are, I'll be honest, these are harder <laughs> to tell the bad and the ugly apart. Well, that's more personal preference, right? It, so. it is, yeah. And I was gonna make kind of a small disclaimer, and it was it was really hard for me to film noir to me is. I feel like there aren't too many just straight up bad movies because because of the like the ability to parody them and because of just I don't know maybe they just are near and dear to my heart but I they're to me they're either pretty good or so bad they're good so there's not really a huge distinction between these two in my mind but I had to pick two so okay those well, what do you got so my bad one was Kiss Me Deadly you're okay. bad is okay. <laughs> okay okay okay. I, I think I, can see that. I think I, I think that's that. what I wasn't sure if your bad one was okay. That surprised me a little bit. Because... And, and just to clarify, your bad meaning that it is not a good movie. Yes, correct. Now right. I also wanted to ask you guys this: and do you think the in your mind when we say bad, is it the worst possible example of this, or is it just one you thought is bad? Like, are we mm. saying like the tops of each genre, or are we saying ones that we just think are good and bad? I mean, I tried to pick the one that I thought was generally... The worst example of this. Yes. Okay. Okay. But, but I admit example. there's probably better examples of bad I film I have noir. never even heard of Kiss Me Deadly. Um, <laughs> For a good reason. I have. You had. Really? I, I mean, yeah, I've just heard thing. that it's a bad movie, but I don't know anything about it. it this movie came out of left field, man. <laughs> yeah, I know yes. it did, right? That, I mean... Go ahead and give a synopsis of it first before we really dive into it. Okay, so this this is a movie that's adapted from a Mickey Spillane novel of, of the same name, I think. What else um, did he write? Uh, I, I'm not a Put huge... I'm on the spot I, there. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. I, <clears throat> this is a movie that I had seen without having... Okay, I just didn't know if he was a famous like film noir writer. Well, I, I think he, he did a series of... Um, the, the, I think he had a whole series around this same character, Mike Hammer. And this was one of them, gotcha. I believe. That um, makes sense. So, synopsis, I guess. So, Mike Hammer, who calls himself a quote-unquote private eye, but really he's just a huge scumbag who tricks people out of... I, 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 guess, I don't want to waste time going into it, but he's a huge slimeball. So, he meets this this lady running down the road in nothing but a trench coat. Very Which saucy. is actually Phyllis Diller. <laughs> oh my I'm, not, I'm not Phyllis Diller. Gloris oh gosh, Leachman, yeah, Gloris right? Leachman. Gloris. I don't know. I always get them confused. I do too. I didn't, but I had no idea it was either but, one. Yeah, it was, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah, Cloris Leachman in a trench coat. Baboom. Cloris Leachman's so, awesome. She was the one in uh, 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 Young Frankenstein, right? Oh yeah, she was actually. Yeah. Okay, okay. You're right. Cool. I totally forgot. And about I that. guess she won an Oscar for the Last Picture Show. Um, yeah. So so Cloris Leachman is running down the road. My camera picks her up. She's wearing nothing but a trench coat. He's intrigued. He almost runs over her. And then she sort of sets the tone for the rest. She sort of just throws a, a huge wrench in his life. And because he picks her up, uh, she's involved in this huge, mysterious, you know, something. They, I think in the movie they call it the, the great what's it. Like, she knows something about something that she should not know something about. And so he picks her up. Everything all just goes to hell and... The hell in a handbasket. Exactly. So he spends the rest of the movie trying to figure out. Oh, she gets after he picks her up. They get um they get sideswiped by these tough guys, and she's tortured and killed. And so, um, 
Yeah, for the Let's rest call of the them the shoes because that's about all you Ex- see of them the exactly. rest of the movie. <laughs> exactly. So the shoes, they they get them good, and <laughs> and for the rest of the film, he, Mike Hammer's just trying to figure out who are these guys? Why did they do this? Why did, you know? What did she know? And it just keeps eating away at him. Um, and he has his very saucy secretary, um, Velda, as his sidekick throughout the whole thing. She's helping him figure it out. So now, I guess this is going to get to a little bit of spoiler territory. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but. Viewers. That case or, or the locker? It's the locker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, this guy, who's the guy that kind of, he, he just says, oh, it may be something. What does he say? He says something <laughs> crazy. I feel like he's a famous actor in it, but he's describing that it may be like a alien device or something. What does he say? You know what I'm talking about? I, I don't. There's a guy he's talking about what's in the what's in the locker. and he, and he just, At the health club? Yeah, and he just kind of throws out some random thing. And then when he when the main guy actually goes to look at the locker, it really is this device. It's Medusa's head or something. Is that what they say? Oh, no, yeah. He's, it's... like, full of Greek metaphors. and. But, right, doesn't he tell Pandora's him it could be box, yeah. it could be something yeah. like that? But then when he goes and looks at it, <laughs> what is up with the ending? Because, I mean, it is okay, that, right? Is, well, this is what... The ending comes out of nowhere, but yeah. I feel like I feel like they say what it is, but they say it in kind of a comical tone where you're thinking that's not possible what it is. And oh, then, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It, okay, it's when, it's when he has opened the box and kind of burned his hand a little bit and he yeah. goes back to the detectives and the guy's like, I'm just going to say this. Um, the Manhattan Project and yes. blah, blah, blah. He like references all the, and the atomic bombs. random bomb things and, and I just thought he was full of it. Like I no. thought he was making it up. No, that was his, because my camera, like he opened it and he didn't know, he clearly had no idea what it was that right. he had opened. And so he goes back and the guy's like, you don't even know. This is what it is. So you better give me that key. So guys, I figured out what it is. It's the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> and it's where Raiders of the Lost Ark... The, it's was just, that huge bright light at the end was, and they're on the beach or whatever? No, so so what it is... What you know it, what it is, real? Yeah. Okay, no, okay, yo, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I really so, genuinely so, don't. I don't know. So this whole... More than we do. The, the, so it's... I don't know if it's like some kind of radioactive material, and and, and they, this movie, this movie, I know it's it's completely this movie ridiculous. is steeped in science. Yes. I'll tell you that. Well, <laughs> you don't really know what it is. No, no, really, no, it is because this this film was released at the perfect. It's like that box is the Pandora's crazy box of all their Cold War phobias and their what, what year is this movie? their fear. 1955, I think. 55, okay. So, so they're, everybody's afraid of the atomic bomb, and everybody's afraid of this. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's like plutonium, not plutonium, well, but like... Oh, hold on, sure. You <laughs> just said you knew what it was. You well, said it's so... No, that's I what mean, I took from it, too, is that it's some kind of nuclear material, but yes. it's basically... You, they open it up and it's just a light. It's a glowing light I that really burns everybody. I really thought it was aliens. I really did. Like, <laughs> no and apparently way. at the end it turns people into mannequins and they burn to death. I really yes. thought it was Medusa or aliens or something. I'm serious. <laughs> honestly, you know, Charles, I would have been more happy if it was. Yeah, I would have as if, well. Honestly, I would have liked this movie if, there was, if that in the box was... Uh, some kind of sci-fi or supernatural element, and the people guarding it was like were like some cult. That would have made a good I really movie. I thought that's what it was, and I didn't like the movie, so it didn't help me. Well, okay, it did not help at all. I have two problems with the with the lady who is Lily Carver, aka Gabrielle, aka the lady who opens box at the end. So. Why did they look so identical? Like she did. Was it just me, or did she and Cloris Leachman in the beginning? I wondered way that. That too confused similar. me. It's like, is, is it her? Is it somebody else? I don't know. No one knows. And then she was like the worst actress of all time. She was. Well, that's debatable she... in this film. Like, really, <laughs> well, this is relative. She, she's every time. I just wanted to like reach through my TV screen and just grab her every time she said something because she she had this these dead blank eyes and she was like, Mike. 
kiss me, the liar's kiss. And like everything she said just sounded so terrible. Do you have a bad movie, Micah, you would have put for this one? No, I don't. But like, <laughs> let me just say, while we're talking about characters real quick, is that um, the stereotype immigrant... Um, oh yeah. The oh yeah. The, the, yeah yeah. The, the mechanic. Pow. That was I, that was just offensive to me, and I, I'm not of any of those nationalities. I know. <laughs> I don't know. What was he? What, was he I, I don't, Hispanic? He I was, really don't he was know. Spanish, and then I thought he was okay. No, he's Greek. No, wait, he's Italian. I can't figure it out. Yeah. It was pretty bad. It, it was really bad. But we, we pretty much do have to move on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, that leaves one movie, Kelly. For your ugly one, right? That's what we're on. Yes. So, so my ugly was Niagara, and I will, and this is why. So, for me, the main difference, and maybe this, the, you know, you guys might have different criteria, but when I'm choosing a bad movie versus an ugly movie, bad movies, I just don't like them at all. Like they're so bad, and the ugly movies are are really just as bad, but there's some kind of element whatever it is that makes me like it in spite of its badness like either it's like hilariously bad or there's just something about i don't know you so, know you know how i always do it if it was is a difference between campy and ugly right as far as i'm concerned because i think a lot of ugly yeah. films can be campy i look at it as if the movie was trying to be something and it is unintentionally <laughs> funny okay that's, that's an pretty, ugly that's movie to me. I, I don't know so but that's because i think campy if they're trying to be bad yeah. You know that you. How do you rate that? You know. But. So no, what's Niagara got going for it? So Niagara, I just, I, I'm I'm gonna read you a quote because I I feel oh, like it, it really sums up my personal beliefs on this movie. <clears throat> this is from an author that I really like, Anne Helen Peterson. So she wrote an article on this movie, like within the Marilyn Monroe canon, um, a while back. So this is what she says. She says. Niagara is basically a movie where the characters are pretending that they're in a film noir instead of what it really is, which is a movie about how it feels to look at Marilyn Monroe. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, everything, I just, I just love this movie. Like, I, there's so many, like, Max Showalter's well, role this in this movie. I, I Ray Cutler? Yes, yes, Ray Cutler. Oh, oh man. He, like, the character's name is Ray Cutler. Yeah, the actor is Max Show, Showalter. But he yeah. doesn't he um, say it a lot, like his name? You know, that's, his, that's his first line in the movie is he pulls up to the border <laughs> yeah. patrol and he goes, Hi, we're the Cutlers. Yeah. As yes. if they're supposed to go, yes. Oh, hello, Mr. Cutler. Canada's been waiting for you. Come on oh, in. It's so bad. Everything he says, like he has these cheesy, like, rem- okay, remember the part, and this is one of my favorite parts of the movie too, when Marilyn Monroe gets that like slinky pink dress on and she's she cut she comes sashaying out to into the, the party. Thing. Yeah, to the party. She wants to put on her her kiss record, and 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 Ray and Polly Cutler are like sitting there having a sodi pop, and and she comes sashaying out and he's like, get out the fire hose, like looking at her in the dress and everything he says well, is just right. so stupid. I know. This, well, who, who is it that's. Uh, maybe I'm mixing up some characters here. <laughs> Who is it that's getting his wife to like pose, pose provocatively? That's, 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 him, that's right. right. Yeah, that's that's right. Right. Come on, show some skin, honey. Yeah, yes. that's okay. And then he says to her later, when some guy tries to assault her, he goes, "Ah, oh, you're just have your imagination going." <laughs> he's borderline abusive, is what it is. He's, is he's that a, borderline, really? <laughs> he's a he's a he's got a gosh going like attitude. What would, what would your wife say if you talked to her like that? I'm just I'm just saying. I wouldn't have teeth anymore. Yeah, he's not borderline. <laughs> All right. But, but yeah, okay, and you haven't even mentioned Joseph Cotton yet. So. Yeah, so Joseph Cotton, like, I don't know, it's weird <laughs> to see him in such a, such a, 
deranged role. Like usually he's the good guy cop or something well, of that nature. Well, he's the guy in Third Man. He's the main character in it. So oh yeah. yeah, see, so so in this movie it's so strange because he's like extremely unhinged, and you feel bad for him because he's just completely smitten with Marilyn Monroe, who's his wife in the movie, and he finds out that she's been cheating on him with this young foxy guy, and yeah, he's it, he just sort of loses it, and and. A big theme in the movie is this song. The I think "Kiss" is the title of it, and you know, "Kiss Me Deadly" would have been a really good name. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Well, honestly, when you said "Kiss" record, I was expecting <laughs> like Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that could be. I would Gene Simmons and Marilyn Monroe would have been an amazing movie. That would have been an unstoppable duo. Yes. <laughs> so he he just I I don't know in that movie I I thought it was interesting. It was very interesting, and then. I also, I really liked Polly Cutler's character. She was not crazy. She was not cheesy. She was, a, and, and the actress was, yeah, was decent too. I mean, yeah, you kind of went along with it the whole ride. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. so Definitely. she was really the protagonist. I mean, yeah. Ray was just <laughs> he was just there for I don't but know I, if he was supposed to be. But I actually do like Marilyn but... Monroe in this movie, though. I mean, yeah, she, yeah, I know, she, she did. does good. Yeah. Well, again, again, spoiler territory. But I mean, even when you know Jessica Cotton was like chasing her up the stairs, mm-hmm. that's a pretty intense scene. I mean, it wasn't oh, really yeah. cheesy the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, I think it's one of her better performances from what I've seen. Yeah. I agree, and mm-hmm. and it's interesting. I don't I don't want to get like too much into detail because we don't really have time. But if you look at this movie in uh, canon, feels like the wrong word. But if you look at it amongst her other movies that she's done, this was <clears throat> this came at a period of her her life when she was trying to break the oopsie daisies kind of like you know silly innocence yeah. like virgin slash whore uh thing that she had going on for her and so this was after she had like taken a brief respite gone took some classes at the actor's studio and this is like really? yeah she did okay that's like she married arthur miller and was like i'm well, very yeah. serious about my art now um so yeah she came back and she did this movie and she really was pretty great in it like yeah did y'all what did y'all think about the scene where she um it was right before the bell tower scene when she was in the bed and she had, I think she had just realized that the body wasn't her husband's body. And so she was kind of borderline institutionalized. And then yeah. she hears the bell tower playing yes. the song uh-huh. and it really, it was kind of an intense. Where she kind of leaves the couple and like walks away to it or a different scene. Am I picture the right scene? No, she, she like, w- she's, she's in sleeping hospital. in the bed and she wakes up because she hears the bell tower mm. playing their song. Okay, yes. And she's extremely freaked out because she knows something yeah, is yeah, no, wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, I like that. I, yeah. Um, in fact, I mean, it started out kind of, I thought, typical Marilyn She was like laying naked in the bed and it was all about her <laughs> mm-hmm. sex appeal, right? And then, yeah. yeah, you're right. As it progresses and when she does little small things like that, up to her character when she's being chased in the thing, like, I, I really I really appreciate her character. It was like she did a full arc. Yeah. It's almost like she was intentionally her typical self uh-huh. drawing you in. And then she's, oh, I'm an actress now. Now look at where I'm going with this character. And that yeah. I thought that was really cool. I really well, did. This is a... She, typical um ugly movie because there are elements to it that you go man that was really good you know Marilyn Monroe and you know the overall storyline was pretty good Mm -hmm. you know but and then there's elements that are just ridiculous like Ray Cutler and uh does he run the movie if you took that character out would it be a better movie do you feel like it's underrated uh, you know what runs the movie for me the fact that it feels like the uh bureau of tourism for niagara funded this because <laughs> yeah. it's like every place they go it's like now they're going to visit made in the mist yes. cave of the winds where will they be next exactly. i was wondering why i wanted to go to niagara falls all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. here's the Dinnies, you know yeah 
I, yeah. I agree. There, that was some product placement or place placement. We got place a couple minutes. Any other thing you want to say about it? Any? I don't really have an ugly pick either. I mean, I'm trying to think of film noir, and like you said, it's hard to. Most of them are pretty good. It's really yeah. hard to pick a bad one. It mm-hmm. is. This is a tough category to pick. Or an ugly one. Yeah. So um, anything else, Mike? I guess the only type of bad film noir is that when people try to jump on a film noir bandwagon, you know, mm-hmm. when they said, oh, film noir is pretty hot right now. Yeah. I'll make something, you know? Yeah. Like Ed Wood made a film noir. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can't even remember the name of it right now, but, you know, it's, it's, I've only seen part of it and it's horrible. But well, of course, yeah. It's a, of course. It's not, it's not like fun like Plan 9 from Outer Space or anything. No, no, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's boring and it's long and, yeah. Right. Well, before we move on, um, it, do I have time to say one more? Yeah, thing? I, I did want to kind of bring up, um, just within the film noir um, category, I think it's interesting. There, there's kind of two main things that typically happen. Um, one of the things is more like we see in Double Indemnity, where where the two lover like they hatch their plot, and then it goes as the uh, it goes exactly as planned, and they they carry it off, but then their consequence their you know their actions end up they have to face these consequences which are right. eventually their undoing and in film noir the they almost never win like they they don't in the horror or slasher or any of those kinds of genres the bad mm. guy can get away with it and and it's even scarier that way but in film right. noir they never get away they pretty much always either you die think in it's the like end a karma thing, or something right? or... yeah okay. i think you know i think what? it was the moralizing of the studios at the time since you're talking about that to bring it full circle in uh double indemnity the ending was just brilliant because oh, yeah. it, you know, he didn't get away with it, you know, and you've got Edward G. Robinson and, you know, uh, talking to him and there was no real finality to mm-hmm. it. You know, it was kind of left hanging. Did he die? Did he go to yeah. jail? Did, you know, it's, you know, it's, it, it was just really brilliant how they left it in that unknown period. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of, how a lot of them end up working out like you don't really know exactly what happens to them if they haven't died but you know they're you know they're not happy yeah Yeah. and with this movie with niagara it's you don't see as many movies like this but they it's like you know the lovers hatch their plot and then they don't carry it out and and it kind of turns the tables on them you know like the rest instead of having to deal with the consequences of their actions for the rest of the movie they have to deal with the fact that oh my gosh you know we didn't do this right and now as a result of not doing it right all these things are gonna happen well and the main so. character and it's kind of i mean it's not really about her she's kind of a witness to all these mm-hmm. crazy events and just kind of tagged along through it so i mean she's kind of us as the audience yeah which is interesting for a film noir usually usually at least the ones i've seen you're partaking in it you mm-hmm. know like in double indemnity you're part of this crime you're witness to it mm-hmm. so i thought that was kind of interesting but we do have to move on because it is the end of the show um so, what we need to do is we need to figure out what our next episode is going to be about. And which, Charles, it is your the it, which it is. I am, right. I'm the only one that hasn't done one so far. <laughs> so, my genre pick for the next episode is slasher movie. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, my picks for slasher in no particular order are Halloween, Halloween Resurrection, and Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Part, part two. 2 is really important. <laughs> has to be Part 2. I'm not saying the first one. I'm not saying the remake. I'm saying Part 2. Part 2. Okay. So, with that, I believe the film noir episode is done with. Yeah. So, that's... I guess we'll leave you with that. So, have a good one. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot.